This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Kenny and Heilprin. I am Ben Kenny. He is Zach Heilprin. Zach, good evening. Good evening. Good steamy evening. It is. It's been a warm one. It is hot. I have I have uh, not fallen far from the Bill Michaels tree these days where when the weather does something like this, you lead off the show with a comment about it. Oh, good job. That's a way to learn from the best. Yeah, if there's one thing I've learned. All right. There's a lot of no obvious Big Ten or Wisconsin sporting events going on right now, but there is a lot to talk about. And we're going to start with an article and a couple news breaks about the Big Ten division structure because in a couple years from now, it is undeniable college football and Big Ten – is going to look a lot different than it looks right now. There has obviously been the NIL thing we've talked a lot about. There's the transfer portal. But now, Athlon Sports' Brian Fisher reports that the Division I Council will vote on eliminating the division requirements for football title games. What does this mean? As soon as 2023, we could see the ACC, other conferences, take away their two divisions and instead do more of a round robin with some protected games and then have the two best advance to the title game. Now, this is a very contentious topic, I guess, because some, like myself, really love the Big Ten's East-West division uh, structure. Some are very passionate that it is bad for the sport and bad for the conference. So Scott Docterman, he, he covers Iowa for The Athletic. He wrote a big piece on what this now could look like. And we don't know what's going to happen. But let's say if things could change, this is what it would look like. So obviously, Big Ten, big media rights uh, announcement coming, $1 billion TV deal reportedly. And Scott writes that uh, out of the 18 most watched Big Ten games, uh, nine of them have been East-West games, crossover, meaning some of the most valuable for the TV contracts, games, have not been interdivision. They have been between them with Iowa Penn State last year, Ohio State, Minnesota, Michigan, Nebraska. So while he says this likely won't change until the playoff is expanded, we could either see the divisions reshuffled and changed or scrapped entirely. So, Zach, I ask you first, and Twitter poll is up at Kenny underscore Heilprin. Are you in favor of the Big Ten eliminating the East-West division structure? That's not how this is going to work, Ben. You're the one that said is all out in front. You desperately need the divisions to still be the same because you desperately need to see some of these interconference or interdivision matchups between Wisconsin and Illinois and Wisconsin and Northwestern. Yep. That's that's your argument for keeping the uh, divisions together. It's not you, my You need to see that every single year. No, it's not my entire argument, but I think the Big Ten East-West structure should change and should not be scrapped as they are talking about could happen in some years. First, I'm a fan of stability in my life. When I, when I get up every day, I like a similar routine, and then I get to work. I like the similar routine at work. I get home from work. Usually my week looks the same. I'm a fan of not things being thrown around. I'm a fan of stability. I like when Wisconsin, they obviously play the rivalry games. You get Iowa. You get Nebraska. Uh, you get Minnesota, but I like being able to play Illinois and Northwestern. And while Illinois has not been much of a challenge, take away a couple wins geographically, they're close fan base wise. They're close Northwestern as well. And yes, the Wisconsin Northwestern games are really ugly, but still I would rather have a game every year against Northwestern home and home uh, alternating years. than I would say travel to Maryland 
and have to do it there. I also think uh, Ohio State as a whole. So everyone's talking, you know, the East has dominated everything. Uh, Ohio State really, in my opinion, has skewed how we view success. Because if you look at the crossover record between the two, the East is up 77 to 70 since the divisions were instituted, what, in 2014? Uh, yet Ohio State alone is 18-2, and two, and they're 5-0 and oh in the title game. Like, Ohio State is the driving force. Everyone thinks the East is so strong, yet it's really just Ohio State at this point. So that part I put aside. I think going into a year, it's great to have something like a division title as a legitimate goal to go for. Not only going to win a conference, but I love the college football regular season. And having a division title out there, say you go to Minnesota, a division title's on the line, that game is what college football is. And I want that to stay instead of you go to Minnesota and whatever, whoever wins the game might finish second in the Big Ten to maybe go to the Big Ten championship. That's why I want the structure to stay. You want P.J. Fleck to be able to hand out rings. I would love for that to happen. Co-Big Ten championship rings with college game day just chilling right there on the... On the on the ring. That's what that's what you want. That's that's what you need. You need it to be able to stay together so that, that PJ Fleck can hand out little trinkets like that. Is that what you're saying? That's part of it. Okay. All right. Well, the more that happens, the more content we get to talk about. So uh, yes. Okay. Has change all uh, little, little psychiatry here? The psychiatrist uh, talk here has change always been an issue for you? Yes. Okay. Where do you think that stems from? I have no idea. Okay. Is it? I mean, is what it, do you want to go like deep in my childhood? Well, that's what I'm trying to figure this out. Why I like why, stability? Why change? Why change is so hard, especially when change is probably good for a team that you root for. Like I get that the West Division hasn't necessarily been the toughest thing, and then maybe that Wisconsin's been in the Big Ten Championship game more than any other team in the West because, well, the West hasn't been very good for a large stretch. But wanting to play Northwestern every year, like. You're not a Wisconsin fan if that's something that you want to do. I am a Wisconsin fan. Why in the fan. world would you want to watch that game every single year? Why would you want to go to Evanston every other year? And why would you want to potentially... That's been a game that Wisconsin has not routinely won. Like, that has been essentially a, a coin flip for the most part here in the last 20 years. I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't want to have, like, potentially that be uh, Indiana or Maryland. Or Rutgers, like if you want to, if if the goal is to win a title, get away from Northwestern. Well, now, are you going to end up having to play Michigan State and Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State more than you than you do now? I don't think so. Like, I don't think you're going to be playing them a ton more than you are now. You're playing them on a regular basis every few, like every two three years, anyways. Now, would I think we'd all like it to be more? Uh, often that Ohio State comes to Madison and or, you know, Michigan State comes to Madison. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. very. It just hasn't happened very often of late. But getting rid of Northwestern is not or keeping Northwestern on the schedule is not a good argument. Keeping Illinois on the schedule is a horrible argument. Like no one cares about those games. There is no one that is like the schedule comes out and it's like, holy crap. Illinois is coming to town, or holy crap, Northwestern's coming to town. Both of those teams, or I should say Illinois is coming to town this this year, and it's Brett Bielma, so it kind of makes, it, it has a little bit to it, a little bit more than it normally would, but no one cares. Unless he makes them good, no one cares. And Northwestern, give me a break. No one wants to watch that game. There's absolutely, there's no Wisconsin fan, no Wisconsin fans want to watch that game. 
I do. I'm you're a, Wisconsin, a Wisconsin, Wisconsin fan. fan. You're not. I do. But here's the you're thing. You're not a true Wisconsin fan. It's though. not all about winning the Big Ten for me. And part of it is. I'm I, sorry. I, excuse me? Part of. No, part no, of, no, 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 no. You said it's all about. It's not all about winning the Big Ten to you. For why I want this division structure to stay. Okay. Because I, say, I you think, want to win the Big Ten. Right? Oh, every year. Yes. Okay. I, right. I think that should be the goal okay. for Wisconsin. That was the argument last week about the college football. Not last week. Uh, earlier, yes. The college football playoff and like expansion like that's not that's not a realistic goal like the goal is to to win the big 10 every year yes or and to, it, to be in contention with the big 10 every year and it's undeniable that being in the west probably helps them it, it might not help them a lot now that you have three crossover games every year so in, in the last years they've gotten michigan more often than not they've had ohio state a couple times they're going to get them this year again uh but it's it's not all about them being able to have an easier shot at indy which they do and and honestly as as someone who wants them to win I enjoy them having an easier path to Indy. But there's also something to be said about, like, when you go into the Northwestern game, and that's when you brought up, it's ugly. It's probably a coin flip at this point. Now Northwestern's a little down, so Wisconsin shouldn't have much trouble, even though in the past that hasn't meant much. In Evanston? Yes, it definitely has not meant but much at all. That's what that's what Big Ten West football is. I think when you take that away, you're taking away from the tradition, and I know it's not been the longest tradition because it started in 2014, but at the same time, I, I would argue the tradition has been built within the Big Ten West that no matter who's at the top or no matter who's at the bottom, like there, there are teams that have knocked off the better ones. And I think it's valuable to have year in, year out, you know you're going to play these teams every time, and it's a good barometer for where your program is, for, for where you're heading, having these same teams on the schedule. I would rather have Northwestern and Illinois on my schedule every year than sometimes go to Penn State or go to Maryland. Because it's like it's, to me, it's a little bit different football. That's saying that you would rather play the easier team by saying you'd rather do that than go to Penn State. Okay, fine. Rutgers and Maryland. Okay, I get that. Those are the applicable teams here. I will say this. I think uh, getting some of the – and are people going to be lining up to get tickets for Rutgers, uh, Wisconsin at Camp Randall? Nope. Same thing with Maryland. Same thing with with Indiana. I want better teams to come to Camp Randall more often. And I think there's a better chance for that to happen without the divisions. I think that's, that's pretty clear. Now, do you get you get to keep your three rivals, right? Like that that would probably be it's probably going to be three game three teams, right? Yes, little, little, little four teams pods with fourteen teams. Well, I, I don't even think they're pods because a lot of teams have different crossovers. But for Wisconsin, you would keep Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. Right. Again, divisions are what they are. When you're playing nine games, uh, it means you're missing out on four teams a year, right? If it's going to be, if you're going to do it routinely with, without divisions, if you're going to rotate it, what's there's just no point for it. It should be the best teams. And more often than not, you're going to be missing some teams here and there, right? Uh, like each year, yep. but it's going to, I think there's going to be less of a chance for a Minnesota to potentially not play Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state one year, right? Like th- there have been times where that's happened. Wisconsin's benefited from it at times too. Like, I think there's going to be less of a chance for that to happen, and I think that makes it more even in the West as well. Yes, uh, but I will say, when you go down to the end of the year, let's say divisions are scrapped entirely, the top two teams in the Big Ten move on to the Big Ten Championship. Then, during or I believe it's, yeah, it is the same day, when Ohio State plays Michigan, and then Wisconsin plays Minnesota. Last year, both of those games were pretty much a win and in. Now, obviously, Iowa won. If There was other stuff that happened in the West, but for Ohio State-Michigan, that was a win and in to the Big Ten title. And we knew 
those were the two strongest teams in the conference. Whoever won that game was going to go on and win. Yeah. And then for Wisconsin, Minnesota, that game, it already has so much meaning because that's their rival. But it also just adds to the meaning when you know this is the end of the regular season. Think back to 2019, too. And this is a game to go to Indy. I would rather have those games are going to end up sprouting up and, and existing. But I like when those games are, I mean, they're traditionally right now. Sometimes it's Iowa's last game of the year. More often than not, it's been Wisconsin's. And it's always Ohio State, Michigan. And in that situation, Wisconsin definitely played like they were uh, for, for a ride to Indy, right? No, they, like it? no, they didn't. Well, they didn't. Which made, but being a fan of the Big think... Ten and a fan of the Big Ten West, it adds so much more to those games. It makes it more devastating when those losses happen, but it makes it better when those wins happen. Has it made it less important uh, for Oklahoma State and Oklahoma because there's no divisions in 12? Has it made that game less meaningful in the big ske- in the in the in the scheme of the Big Twelve? No, but I don't I, think it has. I don't think you're going to make any of these games less meaningful just because they don't have a oh, oh Big Ten West Championship and in again Big Ten West Championships are nice. I think obviously Wisconsin is going to hang their head on it because they won it a ton of times. But it's 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 a before 2011 that was irrelevant. Division titles were irrelevant. You're talking about history. You're talking about um, tradition. Get rid of the divisions. This isn't tradition. Tradition is the the best team in the Big Ten goes to the big, not just the big, the, obviously back in the day, just goes to the to the Rose Bowl. That's what it is. You win the Big Ten, you go to the Rose Bowl. This time, now you have to win not just the Big Ten West, but you have to go and win the Big Ten Championship to be able to go and do that. Get get that out of there. Best teams in the regular season, they go and play in the Big Ten Championship game, and it's it. You don't have to win two games to get there. Well, it's going to be, oh, I, I guess, part of my you problem. You like tradition, though, right? Well, I enjoy the tradition that's being built. Oh, okay. So you like tradition now, the the great tradition of 2014, technically really 2011 since they've gone to this division yeah. structure. You like I dec- like where we're you, at. you like decade old tradition as opposed to real tradition of 100 and over 110 years of Big 10 football. Well, if I like if we liked real tradition, then we kick Maryland out. That's true. I would Again, you think I like Maryland being in the Big 10? No. I don't. I don't give a crap. But but I, should they be in the Big Ten? No. Does it bother me one bit? No. Kick them out. I don't care. Tradition. Fine. Let's go back to ten teams. Let's get back. Let's get Penn State out of here too. Let's get Nebraska out of here too. No, I'll draw the line get at those. Rutgers get out of here too. No, but Nebraska. This sounds crazy to say, but Nebraska feels like a Big Ten team, doesn't it? Just the perfect amount of chaos. Nebraska will never feel like a Big Ten team to me. Really? No. I think people your age will probably be like that's part of it yeah for sure nebraska will never be a big 10 to me penn state is like i when i think penn state i think big 10 nebraska no maryland no Rutgers, no like that it was never register as a big 10 team but is it nice that they're in yeah i mean they've given wisconsin fans a ton of a ton of happiness uh in their uh what 11 years in the Big Ten, it's been a lot of goodness for uh, Wisconsin, a lot of a lot of good stories. Yeah, it's been very enjoyable. And just following their, their program as a whole, I've had fun. 608-321-1670. It's how you weigh in on Twitter, Kenny underscore Hyoprin. What would you do? Would you keep the East and West divisions? Would you scrap them? Would you reshuffle them to try to make them even? That's, I think, I think we can agree, Zach. If, like, let's say the options are keep it East-West, 
scrap them entirely, or third option, which is reshuffle them to make them quote-unquote even, I think that's the one I would oppose the most. Because making them quote-unquote even is just trying to find a way to make Ohio State less good, which isn't going to work. No matter what I think, no matter how the divisions are are divided up and outlined, I think we're going to see the same amount of parity as we see right now. That's actually not what, I mean, when they went legends and leaders, can you, do you know which division Wisconsin was in? They were in the leaders. When they went in the legend, legends and leaders, it was about splitting Ohio State and Michigan up because they were the two best teams. Everyone, everyone thought that they would be in the Big Ten championship game every year. Michigan just made it for the first time Yeah, <laughs> last year. Actually, I have it up. It's crazy. As of right now, uh, there have been, what's the math on that, 10 or 11 uh, Big Ten championship games. Ohio State has made six. They're five and one. Wisconsin has made six. They're two and four. And then you have Michigan State at three, two and one. Northwestern at two. They're 0 and two. Iowa at two, also 0 and two. Penn State and Michigan are both 1 and 0. And then Nebraska is 0 and 1. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, no. So, like, I don't know if that's parody. I don't think it is. I don't see, I didn't see a lot of Illinois on that list no. uh, that you desperately need to play every year. But, well, the argument is to give the East, like, I, pretty much it's can we give Penn State a break because they get their breaks blown in every year by Ohio State pretty much minus one year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the idea that the best programs are Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Ohio State and Penn State, right? Like that's the idea because they're the because they, they are the biggest names, you would say. And then Nebraska is obviously a big name as well, at least in their own mind breaking those teams up so that they're not playing. And and you look at what they did with legends and leaders, and that's exactly what they did. They broke up. It's Penn State and Ohio State in, in one side, and it's uh, and Wisconsin. And then on the other side, it's Michigan, um, Michigan State and Iowa. Like, that's that's that was what went into that. And then obviously Nebraska's over there as well. So, I mean, it's um, – they tried. It just, at the time, Michigan ended up being horrible for mm-hmm. a stretch there. Yeah, and, and then, now, and that's why everybody was like, "We can't do this. It's not fair to everybody else." That now that you get a crappy Michigan team over there, and you got some other poor, uh, poor teams, it's it's an easy run for Michigan State. Right. All right. Six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. There was also a big Bucks game last night, and I'm sure you've heard all about it today. Bill Michaels show over the line, uh, the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. But we're gonna look at it from a Wisconsin point of view coming up after this. Scott Docterman, I mentioned his article. He also had potential revamped divisions. I'll see if Zach likes any of them or, or likes the outline compared to what they have now. I think they should stay with what it is right now with East and West. Zach is more slightly on the other side. 608-321-1670 is how you get a hold of us. We're going to step away. More Kenny and Halprin coming up next. This is Kenny and Halprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Kenny and Hio for in 608-321-1670. On Twitter, Kenny underscore Hioprin. Question of the day. Are you in favor of the Big Ten eliminating the East-West division structure? 56% right now say no. It's fine as is. Around 44% say yeah, it's about time. So 
We're going to step aside from that topic for a second, but we will revisit it with what the future could look like in the conference and how it could affect Wisconsin. But Zach, big bucks win last night. Um, I'm sure the game has been dissected and talked about from so many angles, but put simply, it was a remarkable comeback and a remarkable heroic performance down the stretch from Drew Holiday. Uh, without his three, his block, his steal, the Bucks do not win that game. And yes, there were other plays involved uh, that got them to win, but without his heroics, the Bucks are down 3-2 right now instead of up 3-2 coming back to Milwaukee. So looking at it, from a Wisconsin point of view, which is what we do on this show. The best, A, Wisconsin comebacks we have ever seen slash known of, or B, the best, say, two minutes of individual heroics. Now, obviously, it's going to be easier to tie the line to basketball because in football, a little bit more of a team sport and basketball, you see games come down to these moments. But I ask you first, Zach, the first thing that comes to mind when you saw Drew Holiday go do what he did, then you think about it, when have I seen that from the Wisconsin Badgers? What came to mind? See, I think you went basketball, right? Like that's where that's where your mind went. And I think you you mentioned something about or tweeted something about uh the Indiana game this year. That was my first thought. It's also fresh because I was there. Right. I saw it happen. Yep. Johnny Davis hits the three. There was a steal. There was a block. Yeah. So, Similar vibe. So I think that there are a, a couple different games you could go here for for basketball. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go football because that's kind of w- more more my head went when this happened. When you're thinking about the biggest comebacks in school history or the uh, the most improbable comebacks, and two of them happened in back to back years. The first one, 2004, at Purdue, Wisconsin was down 17 to seven with um, eight minutes left. And they had an, an offense, stop me if you heard this before, really struggled to score. Hmm. Have you heard of an offense that really struggled to score? With Never. Them? Had an amazing defense, but really struggled to score. Quarterback maybe a little bit inconsistent. Yes. Uh, a young quarterback that was a little inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, a sophomore quarterback <laughs> that was a little inconsistent. So they were down 17-7. to seven. They ended up going and, and, and driving down, and they scored a touchdown. And they got they got it seventeen fourteen with five twenty nine left, but they only I think they only had like one or I think they may have two timeouts left. But Purdue only needed like a, a first down or two, and they had the first down. Kyle Orton booted out, dove to make the to make the first down. Game probably over, and that's if he makes the first down because Wisconsin was I think was out of timeouts at that point. Instead of getting the first down, he gets helicoptered. I believe is the word that Matt play uh, excuse me Matt LePay used. Fumbles, Scott Starks picks it up, takes it back for a touchdown. Uh, Purdue would come down and miss a field goal. So that was that was a comeback. It was 17-7 in the fourth quarter. Improbable comeback. Um, the play, obviously, is kind of what stands out more so than anything. I'm trying to think, like, maybe – I can't think – maybe the Giannis three-pointer, just how unreal – like <laughs> – so like, What in the world just happened was yes, that? Yeah, yeah. yeah like, uh, so probably nothing on that level. So that was the first game that stood out. Probably a better one was the following year at Minnesota, 2005. They're down 34 to 24 with 327 left. Now they had moved the ball all day, but they go down and score a touchdown. John Stocko to to Brandon Williams for uh, a touchdown. They kicked an onside uh, kick. It didn't go well. They didn't recover it. It went down all the way down to like eight yard line. That ended up being great uh, because despite Minnesota running for. Uh, like 400 some odd yards that day. Wisconsin got a stop. 
Everyone remembers now the punt, the, uh, the punt that got blocked for a touchdown, takes it back in, and all of a sudden Wisconsin, instead of being down 34-24, they win the game 38-34. Improbable. Being the great radio producer that I am, I was trying to find the audio of that, of the play. Of which one? Of the kick block. Okay. Of the Minnesota play, but I couldn't. Seriously? Um, it's everywhere. Well, I mean, I it was a very quick search, search, <laughs> uh, and then be unable to. But the, the one that stuck out to me most, because it was fresh, is this year, Indiana at Wisconsin uh, from December 8th was the date. Um, it was the biggest comeback, I believe, in Wisconsin basketball history from down 22. I think it tied. It was tied for the biggest comeback. Uh, they were down 22 in the first half. They were down 17 at halftime. And then, really, they were still down double digits well into the second half before they made a miraculous run down late in the game. And so I was sitting at the Kohl Center with my friend. We had gone to the game. It was, what, a, a Tuesday night or some week night. And I, they were getting crushed in the first half. Indiana looked really good. But then Red Panda comes out to do the halftime show. Uh, the, the woman that goes on the unicycle and flips the bulls onto her head. Very famous halftime act at most basketball levels and most basketball games. Yeah. And I had never seen her drop the bulls before. It had always been perfect. It, it had always gone according to plan. And I always wondered, like, what happens when she drops them? Well, spoiler alert, they're plastic. I always thought they were real plates that would shatter. Ooh, and I, I, bet always, you, I bet you that just hit you like a ton of bricks, didn't it? Oh, it my, did. oh, my God. It did. I kind of rooted for them to shatter when I saw them fall. But you dropped all the bulls. And I kid you not, I said to my friend, Wisconsin down 17 at halftime, getting crushed. And this is, they had success early in the year, but it was as the run was starting. This was one of the igniter games. Turned to my friend. I said, Wisconsin's winning this game. I, this mojo created from her messing up her routine Wisconsin's going to win. And then you go down the stretch of that game and similar Drew Holiday vibes. Johnny Davis hits that big three to take a one-point lead. And then they, it was weird. He hit that three with 118 left in the game to go up one. And then there weren't many points scored after that. Indiana didn't score. Wisconsin had four. I, I think they were all free throws. The rest was all defensive plays, a couple blocks, some big rebounds. So that Indiana, was the first one that came up. Yeah, Indiana could not score that game. Like, down the stretch, they just could not get it done. Yeah, and Johnny Davis obviously did make that huge play. I still can't believe he took that shot. It was in the corner. It was the corner three, like yeah. fading away. Like it was, and then he comes down the comes down the court, and he's the guy. He's like mean mugging, and we've all seen that gift now because it's the gift that you use when you want to use when you want to talk about how Johnny Davis doing Johnny Davis stuff. That's the gift. That's from that play. That was kind of the start of like that's Johnny Davis. Yeah. He had had good games, but that was the first marquee late game moment. Yeah. I mean, he had, he obviously had the huge games out in Las Vegas. that kind of turned yes. your, turned your head a little bit like, uh, against Houston. I think you put 30 on Houston. Like it was one of those. Yes, but you're right. Like Indiana, big time moment, late game situation that certainly he did some other, uh, football games to stand out. I can't believe we forgot about the, um, the bowl game two years ago. The, the great may, uh, the great Duke's Mayo bowl when they were down 14 to start the game. <laughs> Um, well, the account that the thing is, it I has might, to be like a late deficit, right? I might differ. It it kind of has to be late. I also differentiate it because I don't know how much that was them having this amazing comeback as much as Sam Hartman threw them the ball four times in a row. Uh, pretty much. Largely because of film work that yes. entire month. And Jim Leonard saying he's going to throw this ball. I guarantee it. And he threw it a couple times and they weren't really sure about it. And as soon as they saw it, like, 
Jim's must be right. Huh. And they just started jumping him. Like it was all film. It was all film work. I'm related. sure it was. So like but. it was like we. It, it was kind of like uh, you have to like see something to believe it. Like there's no way that he's going to do this every single time. And he did it every single time. And Scott Nelson and Colin Wilder and everybody else made him pay for it. Um, the other games that come to mind. Oh, did you want to? Maybe I needed more of an offensive statement, but the <laughs> offense scored like four touchdowns from the one yard line. Hey, Wisconsin football, right there. That is. I mean, it was a fun game, but man, the other game that we talked about off air. But now that I'm looking it up. Uh, in biggest comebacks for Wisconsin, 14 points at Purdue in 2018. They were down 27 to 13 with 957 left in the fourth quarter. The undrafted Jack Cohn threw a couple of touchdowns to Danny Davis, both amazing catches uh, to send that game to overtime where Jonathan Davis, Jonathan Davis, Jonathan Taylor, probably good throws as well. Jonathan Taylor, 300. They were nice throws. They were, they, Thank you. those were two throws. It was like, okay, Maybe Jack Cohn's got something here. Uh, and he ended up having a great 2019 and a great 2021. And I'm sure he'll have a great preseason with the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> That's unnecessary. Uh, the uh, But no, 27 to 13. And they get those two touchdowns. Go to inter- They go to overtime. The game ends up being 47 to 44. It was an amazingly fun game with two teams that had over overwhelmingly disappointed <laughs> as teams that year. They win that game 47 44. That's, that's one that stands out. I think the largest comeback in Wisconsin history is 21 points. And that Probably took them the whole game. 1984, though. Yeah. Uh, back when they, um, that was at Missouri. I was going to say, that's why it's hard for football because of how slow they usually play and the inconsistency is the word I'll use. Uh, the usual inconsistency of their offense. Yeah. It's hard for these comebacks to really happen. You well, know? Uh, one of the more famous comebacks, it happened very quickly, though. Uh, they, they fell down. Brooks Bollinger's first start at Ohio State, they fell down 17 to nothing. They came back and won that game 42 to 17. Ooh. Um, so, and that was at Ohio State. Ron Dane ran all over them. It was an impressive game. I don't know. If, I actually think they erased two 17 to nothing deficits there, uh, like in their in back-to-back trips, 1999 and 2001. Uh, they almost had a miraculous comeback last year. Uh, I would say coming back from handing the ball off on the opposing teams won four times. When Graham Ertz threw the pick to Brandon, not Brandon Joseph, uh, Jaquan Brisker on the goal line. But this also brings up two minutes of heroics, which I think is easier for me for football, definitely. Sure. First, there's obviously Jack Sitchie with three sacks in a row against USC in the Holiday Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now, that I mean, I forget what the exact score was, but it probably. Wisconsin was up at the time, but yeah. it wasn't. It was a close game. It ended up being a close game. Didn't mean as much as the one I have here, which is 2019 in Minnesota. This is actually what I first thought, minus the basketball game, when Drew Holiday did that. Two minutes of individual heroics. Down, or up 10-7, excuse me, early third quarter in the snow to go to the Big Ten Championship and win the West, which is a pretty formidable goal you have when you enter the season, you know, because of the division <laughs> structure. But Jack Cohn to Cephas, 31 yards. We doing Jack Cohn here? Uh, Quintez Cephas, I okay. would argue. All right. Jonathan Taylor then runs it twice, and then Jack Cohn to Cephas, 47 yards, and then that was it. Just those two catches? That's what you're going with? I mean, it was two minutes. They, I, the went, first catch. The first catch is insane. The first, like the ball. I don't like. I almost think everybody thought Jack Cohn was throwing the ball away because he throws it up, and it's like, where is that going? It's also not a good environment to throw the ball up in. No, I mean, especially it when it was snowing the way yeah. it was. It was like I, I thought he was throwing it away, and but 
throw the ball anywhere near Quintez Cephas, and it was normally going to come down in his hands, which kind of helps when you have a, a great wideout like that. Uh, you just wonder what, you know, maybe Graham Mertz would have been able to do with a, a Quintez Cephas-type guy. Or what he can do this upcoming year. Yes, because I think, as I've said, I'm on record as saying, I think Jim Ray DK is a guy that is a true number one and the first true number one that they've had since Quintez in 2019. I also, and I don't want this to be hyperbole, the Drew Holiday heroics and the Bucks as a whole late in the game last night, they made every single right play pretty much in the last two minutes when they were down six and they hit the threes and, you know, the rest is history. It did feel like every Wisconsin basketball game this year. Yeah. yeah minus no. March. Right. Like at Indi- at Indiana, yes. where Johnny scored like the last 13 points of, this, uh, of the game to win that one. And there was another one where he scored the last, was it the, uh, it was the, actually, no, it was March. It was the tournament game where he had the last certain amount of, uh, certain 13 or 14 points against Colgate to win that game. So, yes, I mean, he's, just he was a different type of player, and had he been able to stay healthy, and had they been able to stay healthy, they maybe get through Iowa State, and then you just never know what happens. But well, I don't know if it was only Johnny Davis. You had at Maryland, Tyler Wall scored the last six to eight to oh, win I that game. Ta- I thought you were talking about Johnny. Oh, Davis. I meant the team as a whole. My bad. Uh, then you obviously, yeah, you had all the close games where it was a similar situation. Either they were down a few or they were up a few, and then they made all the right plays while their opponents didn't. Yeah, it might get happen every time. Right. I mean, the, the way that they went down, um, what was it? Ended up being like 14 straight games where they they won when it was within six. Yes. And then they, I think they lost like their last three when it was within six. Yes. That is the old selective use of analytics because Ken Palm hated him. But then I'm going to go into football season and SP. SP plus is going to love Wisconsin. All right. We're going to step away. Take a quick break. 608-321-1670. More on the division structure when we come back and what else could be different in the landscape of college football. And Wisconsin landed a safety in the transfer portal. There was talk about Jim Leonard might do it. He might not, but they needed the help there. They landed a safety. We'll tell you the inside scoop on him coming up next. It's Kenny and Halperin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we're back. It's Kenny and Heilprin. Uh, there is a basketball game going on right now. Heat up three on Philadelphia, entering the second quarter. And that's the NBA talk for the night. So I, we were talking about Big Ten divisions earlier. I am in favor of the East-West structure staying. Zach is more okay with it changing and maybe returning to what it used to be or still a Big Ten championship game, but instead of having the divisions, maybe you protect a couple games and then the rest is more of a round-robin-ish format or it's scheduled every year. One problem I do have with that, which I haven't brought up yet, given this whole TV network thing, And this could be a crazy thought, but I feel like going forward, if there is, if there's no division structure because of the power, this billion dollar TV deal will have, I feel like the TV execs will pretty much control who plays who they will make sure that certain games happen, which I think could skew how the scheduling is made. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Uh, Because I think it's going to be built into the schedule, right? Like, like there are certain, it's going to have to be, even it's not going to be like uh, these teams are playing these teams every single year type of thing outside of the um, outside of the rivalries, right? Yes. 
Like, if that's that's how it's going to be built, it's not going to be saying, you're oh, Wisconsin's going to play Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan every single every uh, every other year. I just feel like it's going to be a little shady. I, the, no, you know what the shady part of this is? Is Fox being in the meeting room with uh, the commissioner while these other networks are pitching. That is that is the all-time power move. Yes, it's hilarious. Um, but, I mean, that's just the power that Fox has with the Big Ten, and the Big Ten allows it because they're getting just a crap ton of money from them. Man, could you imagine the Big Ten on CBS? I, I, I'm i the biggest fan of how CBS presents football. I think their 230 game has always been one of my favorite games to watch. Can you imagine that being like, a little weird, right? It'll feel weird, but I'll... It'll feel really weird. It'll feel really weird until you hear the opening and be like, yeah, yeah. Lo- love that. But no, that, that's the thing. Like CBS needs somebody. I know they're losing the SEC. I mean, there are only, there are only two companies in college, truly, truly in college. Football. And there are only two conferences that are going to be at the top. Yes. And one is owned by Fox, which is the big 10. And the other one is the SEC, which is owned by obviously ESPN um, slash Disney. So like that, there are, those are the two that matter, um, and it's also what matters conference-wise. Again, I, I there are going to be games on NBC, uh, maybe on NBC, right? Like maybe on CBS, but this is all about ABC, Disney, and ESPN versus Fox, Big Ten Network, and all that. Yeah. It's just what it is. I just, knowing how many things are done, kind of backstage oh, i feel oh, like you know you know how big things are things are done backstage knowing that there's a lot done under the table once you get into that level of business with all the money do you think wisconsin is going to get screwed no but i do think there's i think there's going to be some shady business with how games are scheduled all right if, hey teach his own i mean if wisconsin has to go play at maryland two years in a row i'm gonna throw a fit why because I don't like that doesn't feel as much of a Big Ten West game. I would rather wake up on a Saturday, know that Wisconsin plays at Northwestern at two thirty, than knowing is like, oh yeah, they're going to go play at Maryland. No one wants. It's to- just a different feel. There, you know what? Uh, Maryland better environment than Evanston. Maybe. No, it's not even close. To be honest with you, they probably are. Basketball definitely. De- basketball definitely, but football for sure too. Yeah. The only difference is obviously there's been a lot more Wisconsin people in the stands at Northwestern, but it doesn't help. It's it's such a lazy environment, such a horrible place to go. The press box. I mean, if the if Wisconsin press box wasn't what like it was, it would be the worst press box in the Big Ten. And obviously, this is now me injecting things that are important to me. Into of this course, a little bit, which are valid, but no, it, they're not. Nobody like they're not like even like before I started covering playing Northwestern was not something anyone looked forward to outside of being able to go to Chicago and like as a college guy and going there and, and uh, having a weekend with friends because you had all everyone had friends that moved to Chicago after college and like you would all do that for a few years afterwards. Otherwise, no one wants to go down there. I can play there. Yeah. Maybe it's the respect I have for Pat Fitzgerald and <laughs> how much I think their program has uh, become formidable. And yet take you, away their two extreme down years that they're in the middle of. No, I mean, they're in, they are, it's usually Jack. I mean, it's usually up and down with them. Yes. Like they, they go and are horrible one year, go and win the big 10 West the next year. Horrible. Go win the big 10 West horrible. It's, and then you were expecting them to kind of jump back up last year. Did not happen. It's going to be tough again this year. I think I let's talk Kamoe Latu. So Wisconsin brings in a transfer safety from Utah. He had played two years there, 13 total games, 
at safety, 23 tackles. He was a three-star recruit in high school. He went to high school and played with Wisconsin star outside linebacker Nick Herbig. I was talking to someone who covers Utah, and obviously we haven't... Inside sources, inside sources, inside sources. Inside sources in the uh, Utah media uh, media landscape. He said he's still a bit raw, good coverage guy that lays the blow. Once he gets a little more down in his covered skills, he's going to be a great asset to Wisconsin. I think he's got a lot of upside and talent. Now, when I said this to you, you said something right away, and I think it was the best point you can make about this. Take away them needing help at safety. But when you say, good coverage guy that lays the blow, he just needs, he's a little raw, a lot of upside though. Is there one person in the country you would rather have coaching him than Jim Leonard? Of course not. No. I, do, I will say this says a lot about what Utah has at safety, though, right? Yes. I mean, for him to come to Wisconsin where there is not guaranteed playing time, at least right away. Now, he's got a few years left, but there's not guaranteed playing time this year. I think John Torchio is pretty much set in, right? And then you have Hunter Wohler, and we'll see where Travion Blaylock is. But we knew this was a possibility because of what they're dealing with injury-wise at the position. I mean, they were down to a couple walk-ons and, um, you know, as the backups, and that's not necessarily what you want. Um, so bringing him in, I think it's it's very interesting, and it's a very, I think, a good fit. I think, obviously, Nick Herbig, big fan, um, and uh, more of a Hawaii connection, which Wisconsin has certainly tried to hit at here of late. Maybe it's, it builds, builds a little bit more there, but it's a desperate need, I think, for them to add depth at that spot because of what they have coming back. Yeah, why was he transferring, you may ask? Uh the guy told me that it was mostly due to playing time. He was getting a lot of love in the spring, but he'd still be a backup uh, because this guy, Nate Ritchie, is returning from a church mission, which is more of a Mormon It's a Mormon thing mission, yeah. Out uh, where, obviously, Utah plays football. It's very prominent there. Uh, so, And Utah, really, right now, good defense. A really good defense last year. So you can kind of get it. It's not like it's a transfer because he got kicked out or anything. He didn't like his playing time. And I mean, I think this is a great place for him to succeed. I'm wondering, like they didn't offer him anything like in terms of like playing time. Like there's, it's not like Wisconsin guarantee him. anything. No, I think it is maybe long-term a good spot for him. Well, he has three years of eligibility. Right. So like maybe not John, if maybe not this year, if, if John Torchio and it's Hunter Wohler and maybe Travion Blaylock is able to play at some point, I think Travion Blaylock could return next year uh, and use his sixth year. And I guess Torchio could as well, but maybe in the future he's maybe it's him, right? Maybe it's, he's in the mix there. I, I just don't think there's a guarantee playing time for him. So if it's, if he's leaving, Utah for playing time. That's not necessarily a guarantee that's going to happen, especially this year. Right. But look at that secondary, what they've done in the transfer portal since last year, what they've lost and what they've added. It's been insane. You had the three transfer corners, two of which I think may end up being strutters. And then you obviously add the safety as well. Uh, Transfer portal. Good for Wisconsin. Very good. Uh, It's been used efficiently. Definitely. Because they're also bringing in, different kinds of guys they're bringing in a couple one-year eligibility guys that have been there done that they've also brought in some younger unproven guys thinking of Keontes Lewis and uh, Kamoe Latu now as well that will be with the program longer so it's both a plug a a hole at cornerback for a year but also not really affecting your long-term roster development because you also bring in guys that that'll be there for longer all right stepping away we're going to take a quick break and I also tweeted earlier 
Gary Barta, uh, who said that uh, the one-time transfer rule has to be gone. I think he saw Wisconsin secondary and realized that Spencer Peters is completely screwed this year. How many guys do you think Iowa brought in this year? Oh, I don't know. One? They've not added a single player that's, Zero. that's had a single snap from a Power 5 team. Well, I mean... Spencer Petrus might start a quarterback again, which, ugh. all right, we're wrapping it up next. It's Kenny and Halprin. This is Kenny and Halprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, final segment before we're out of here. It's Kenny and Halprin. Uh, update to the Twitter poll 608-321-1670 it's at Kenny underscore Heilprin are you in favor of the Big Ten eliminating the East West division structure 56 and a half percent say no it's fine as is 43.5 percent say yes about time I think there are a lot of very passionate people that think it's so stupid because we're robbed of great Big Ten title matchups I still in my brain am I, I, I'm, I have enough awareness to admit, I guess, that when Ohio State played Michigan last year, that was the Big Ten title, and it was a beautiful game in the snow. Saying Wisconsin would not have given Michigan a game? They would have given them more of a game than Iowa, no doubt in my mind. Not confident they would have won. I mean, think about it. The only team that can go beat Ohio State is a team with two first-round picks at edge rusher in defensive line, another first-round pick in, at safety. It's, like, littered with NFL talent. So I, I think Wisconsin would have given them a game 100%, but I think Michigan would have won, definitely. I think, I think, I think Wisconsin was so beat up by that point that it would not matter. Yeah. I mean, that Iowa team was not good. No, they weren't. They weren't. I mean, at all. Turnover no. luck. I know you roll your eyes at it. But they were, say turnover luck? I've never rolled my eyes at turnover luck. Oh, you've rolled your eyes at me saying turnover luck. No doubt. I think, uh, like... You trying to say that about Wisconsin last year when they were dropping interceptions and saying it was somehow luck. That's where I was at. Valid point. All right, that'll do it for us. We'll see you next Thursday. Kenny and Heilprin, Thursdays from 6 to 7 and on demand at madcitysportszone.com.